This morning we delve into a passage that we all know is in God's Word, but I fear we have, uh, strangely, an indirect understanding of what it entails. We come to a passage in 1 Peter that is built upon an instruction we talked about last week, which was to gird up the loins of your mind to be sober and to engage the truth of God's word um, as we have the example of the prophets who did that, who made inquiry, who did the research, who studied, who who searched carefully. He says uh, that they might uh, minister that truth not only to those around them but to them in future generations. And so we are to, uh, having engaged our minds in that wondrous work of studying God and his working among us and his word to have that rest of hope that is upon the grace of Jesus Christ. We come now in chapter 1 of 1 Peter uh, to continue this sentence out. So let me begin reading in verse 13. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, still a future grace, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Now, Again, this is hopefully a phrase that you are familiar with, being in God's Word. Uh, Be holy as I am holy. What I, strangely enough, what I have encountered most Christians to uh, look at this phrase and say, who can do that? Because we have taken this phrase and made it mean much more, strangely, than really it entails. For most of us, when we read this phrase of be holy as I am holy, our response, our, our, our inter- understanding of that is that we are to be perfect as God is perfect, that we are to be sinless as God is sinless. And certainly those concepts are associated with holiness, both in this text and in the original use of that back in Leviticus, where we're going to spend some time. Uh, but I, I fear that because we haven't spent enough time in Leviticus, and we don't understand the correlation between uh, of what it entails to be holy as God is holy and what it means to be holiness to the Lord. Because that was the context we're going to be looking at. Uh, we have actually put so much into this that many of us just wash our hands of it and say, no one can do that. This is one of those statements of hyperbole of, of you know, that God puts upon us that no one could possibly attain to uh, because we have elevated this concept to, as I said, this idea of sinlessness, that somehow I am to walk in complete perfection, uh, and certainly we have other biblical words that we surround this concept of holiness with, but as we've already looked at here in First Peter and many other passages of Scripture, uh, we have really not to look at that meaning, but at what it entails, what's God's expectation for this concept of being holy. Uh, The word holy itself simply means set apart. All right, that you are set apart. And 
we have already discussed being set apart in this passage last week. That we engage ourselves in a process of taking our mind and making it distinct, that is, different. That we are, that we are pulling it out of the milieu of this world and we are making our thought life holy by centering it on the truths of God's word. And that sets apart our thinking. And so we think differently than the world. Does that mean I think perfectly and sinlessly? Um, No, but it is this endeavor of being distinct. That God is certainly holy, holy, holy. And this is what is sung of him in the heavens before the uh, ascension of Jesus Christ. It was the eternal song of heaven that was going, repeating over and over again. The Lord God is holy. That is, he is set apart. He is distinct. He is the only one who is what he is. And does that entail perfection and sinlessness? Absolutely, for he is God. But those are not the only attributes that set him apart. And so when we think about holiness, it is about all that makes God distinct from us. Distinct from all of creation. That he alone is God. And that that is um, recognizable immediately by those who come into his presence. And all of this needs to be demonstrated in our lives that, and he's already talked about, Peter's already engaged that process. We're going to take our thinking and turn it from what it used to be. Our thinking used to be filled with ignorance. That was the word he uses here. Um, Remember there in the end of verse 14, as in your ignorance... Your former lusts. Here's who you used to be. You were right in there with everyone else. You were part of the world that God loved and sent his son to die for. You were indistinct from them. That was who you were. You lived according to your former lusts. You were largely ignorant of the truth of God's word, uh, of the power of the resurrection, of the impact of the salvation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You were in ignorant, living according to fleshly lust, because that's, uh, even though, even great thinkers are caught in that trap. I see, it isn't just a, a mental ascent that we're going after here. It is something much more substantial. And so we have all of these who in their ignorance of the truth of God's word lived for themselves, disregarding and dismissing really the fact that there is a God, though there is evidence all around us of who he is and his uh, attributes. The Romans talks about that. They simply disregard it. They brush it away. And we have great philosophers and great men of, of learning who are still living uh, in their fleshly lusts in ignorance of, and not a, a ignorance that is their fault, it is, I'm sorry, ignorance that is someone else's fault, it is ignorance that is their fault. It is them choosing not to know that. We talked a little bit about that last week. And so, uh, We have that as our former condition, he says. Don't conform yourself anymore to your former one, but now you're going to be distinct from that. You're going to become out of that 
and be holy. And so we have lots of biblical words that you'll see in Scripture that are all tied into this root word of holiness. The word consecrated, to be consecrated, to be set aside. Uh, and so we're going to see some of those words when we go into Leviticus. So Peter here quotes from Leviticus, not uh, a passage that's only used once. It's actually used multiple times in Leviticus. We're going to center in on chapters 19, 20, and 21 uh, today. And, but I'm also going to take you to one of the earlier statements. So let's go to Leviticus. There's a book you can't wait to read through on your uh, yearly Bible reading schedule. I actually don't mind Leviticus. For me, it's Chronicles. Oh, those names, just lists and lists of genealogies. Uh, I don't mind Leviticus too much. Leviticus num uh, chapter 11. Let's go to chapter 11 first. And you'll, if you do not know the context of chapter 11, this is all about what foods you can and cannot eat, especially what you cannot eat. What foods are unclean for the Israelite? Uh, and so we have all this thing, and it's going through this animal, that animal, that animal, to distinguish between those, and that these uh, are abominable. There are certain animals that are abominab abominations that you are not to even if they touch your food, if they touch a vessel of your, that you carry food in, you're supposed to destroy the vessel, those kinds of things. That's the extent to which some of these rules go. And so we have all of this information about clean, unclean animals, a long list of them, and why it is that you can eat this, um, but not this, because it has to have not just one attribute, but all the attributes that the law has or what can and cannot be eaten. And so we come to uh, all of this, and uh, we, we find that if, you're, if an animal dies, uh, that you can't, of natural causes or uh, of illness or injury, that uh, you're not supposed to eat it. So if you come upon an animal uh, that's dead, roadkill, <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to eat that. You are supposed to take the life yourself of the animal you're going to consume. Uh, the concept is, is that you understand that it is the shedding of blood that is life. It is, life is in the blood. And so you, it tells you not to drink the blood uh, and not to eat the dead animal or that died on its own and all of this. So we go on on for 43 verses we have this and then we finally come down to verse 44. Verse 44 says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. So we have all of these rules. Well, what, is all, what are all of these rules about? Why are they so particular to the naming of exact animal groups and species? Um, what is it all about? He says, you consecrate yourself. You Set yourself on course to say, we will not touch and eat these animals that died of natural causes or of injury. Uh, only those that we slay ourselves, uh, that we are going to not 
use the vessels that certain creatures, um, and creatures that you don't want to use the vessels anyway, you know, if a mouse falls in your water pot, you don't want to drink out of that water pot. Uh, so it's things like that. It's not unreasonable, some, many of these rules, that I'm not going to um, drink blood, that I'm not going to participate in that. Consecrate yourself, set yourself aside, and, and eat differently than your neighbor's. Eat differently than your neighbors. That's essentially what's going on here. We have a set of rules here because the Canaanites eat all these things. They do all these things. And they don't just do them because they don't have the law. They do that as part of their worship of idols and false gods. I am your Lord, so I want you to eat differently than those for whom I am not their Lord. I want you to distinguish yourself from them and be able to distinguish between clean and unclean animals. Now, why do we not participate in this today? Because Jesus Christ has, has fulfilled the law, uh, but yet there is one element here that we are told, because it predates the law, that we are not to participate in. That is the, the eating of blood. And so we still have that on us, even in the New Testament, that that is, is, is again placed upon us, and so we, we shouldn't consume that. Uh, cooked or uncooked, that we do not eat the blood. Uh, we drain that blood, and we're not talking about au jus that comes out of the meat. We're talking about blood. And there are recipes out there to eat the blood, but the Bible says life is in the blood, and that's a pre-law thing going all the way back to Noah. So it's for all mankind not just for Israel. So Jesus Christ completed that law, and there are those that want to say, well, we should be keeping all this law to be holy. Uh, and certainly you could go into Peter's statement and say, well, it says be holy because uh, I am holy, and we can go to Leviticus chapter 11 and say, well, the only way you can be holy as God is holy is to keep these food laws. I want you to see the danger that is there if we do that. Because now we have all of this that Jesus Christ has very clearly completed on our behalf. So our holiness is not about keeping this law. Our holiness is about being distinct, set apart to God, which means that we should be recognizably different than our neighbors who are still in ignorance and living for themselves. That if we walk on this earth and they listen to us, watch us, hear us, and engage with us and see no difference between themselves and us, that we are not holy as God is holy. Because we are not communicating that we are distinct. Because God is distinct. And we're going to see that really brought out in chapter 19, 20, and 21. And so let's go ahead and go there. This is just one example. I wanted to make sure we included it um, because I want you to see that it was tied specifically to their diet. That their diet itself was to communicate that they are set apart to God. They are the children of God and they are going to eat the diet God wants them to eat. Even in the wilderness, even in all of this, they're going to eat that. And they're going to refrain from eating the diet of the Canaanites and all the other ites that were there. You had some of those in, in uh, Sunday school this morning for the adults. 
And so we have this distinction. So let's go on to uh, a much more developed concept for us. This is a little bit more uh, along the lines of what you were thinking holiness was about, probably. In chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And I want you to notice the very next verse, especially if you're a child here. Carlos, let's see, Anahi, are they awake? Wake them up, here we go. Leviticus chapter 19. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, verse 2, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is what Peter is quoting. Verse 3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourselves molded gods. I am the Lord your God. Do you begin to pick up what we're kind of reviewing? Do these start to sound familiar to you, some of these instructions? I hope the children who have been in our life for a while have, because they are... They memorized the Ten Commandments one year. These are related, but notice the first one. Isn't it interesting? They didn't start off with them in order like we have them in Exodus. We start off with, uh, you should be respecting your mom and your dad. And this isn't just when you're a child, by the way, but it certainly is for children. It is for all of us. He starts right out that everyone revere his mother and father, and then keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. And so we're going to walk this different life that when the world wants to be in rebellion, when the world, and that's the normal relationship between parents and their children is one of authority and rebellion to authority. That is normal. So when parents come to me, say, oh, my child is all rebellious, I say, well, they're normal. But when a child claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, now I put my finger on them and said, you are called to be holy. What does that mean? Different than the norm. You are to be abnormal. You are supposed to revere your father and mother. You are supposed to be obedient to them, to honor them. Uh, this is what is entailed here. And, it, and he talks about keeping the Sabbaths, not turning to idols. We can go through this whole thing. We're going through a lot of moral law here in, in, in chapter 19. Uh, you're going to see... Um, pretty much all the Ten Commandments, but expanded. You're going to see them not to steal, not to lie, all those kinds of things. And we're going to see them expand about bearing false witness. All those things are going to be here about being holy. You say, well, pastor, that sounds like holiness. They were supposed to be sinless. We are to be <laughs> set aside and elevating God in our life, both in our relationship with Him as alone being our God and in relationship with one another. And, and it talks about your sacrifices is intermingled here. It's going to talk about not profaning his name. Uh, all, and, and by the way, the opposite of holiness you'll see in these passages is going to be the word profane. You're either holy or you're profane. And that is, uh, we often talk about profanity as, as, as evil speech, but bringing a profane life simply means that we have disregard for God. And we are called to regard him. And uh, that begins really very early in our age by giving reverence to our father and mother. 
as God instructed us. Remember, that's the first commandment with a promise that your days may be long upon the earth. But we find here all this, uh, we, we have this extended information. Uh, it applies not only to you, but uh, to uh, all the strangers who come into your midst, to anyone that is brought into your family uh, and your servants, that these things apply. And, but let's keep a little bit farther. We're going to jump back uh, later in the, in the chapter uh, we, the second thing he said was keep my Sabbath. So let's go to where he picks up keeping his Sabbath again. Let's go to verse 30. Leviticus 19.30, it says, You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Let's keep reading, because this is going to be a repeated phrase. Uh, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not speak, seek after them. To be defiled by them, I am the Lord your God. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. I'm really starting to like that verse. And fear your God, I am the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. You shall do no Injustice and judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume, you shall have honest scales, honest weights, honest ephod, and honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. There you shall observe all, therefore you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. So if we have God as our Lord, we have this evidence here that if you are one of my children, you're going to, and I'm your God, and you're my nation, here's what you're going to do, and we see this reverence, we see that you're going to follow after the Lord himself, we see again, not only a vertical aspect, but a horizontal aspect of it, all tied into uh, the concept that he's the Lord our God. This is what he requires of me. And it is not perfection, because perfection goes far beyond these. And you've heard me teach regularly that we are called to more than this. We are not called to keep this law. We are called to keep the spirit behind the law. And thus our righteousness should be higher than the law, not less than. And so we have this expectation of holiness that we are going to be obedient children. And that is, is what Peter just said in the earlier verse, instead of being disobedient in ignorance, and disobedient in um, uh, just rebellion and, and disregard, dismissing God, uh, walking in your former lusts, just, just after your own stuff, uh, you're going to be obedient children. Now my focus is on someone else. This is why the relational aspects within a family and within society are keeping brought up. Because your relationship to each other is a reflection of your relationship to God. Because if you are the highest person in your estimation, <laughs> and that is called humanism, uh, and that is plaguing our societies throughout the earth right now, that I am the measure of what is right and wrong. If it feels good to me, it's okay. I'm the measure. I decide what is truth for me. You can decide what is truth for you. What they have just done is made you God. 
They have profaned themselves. And so I come to this, and I recognize that God is God, and I am recognize that he is the one who I live for. This is what it means to be holy. I am living to the Lord. And that is one of the phrases that's going to come up. Let's move forward. Um, I want to put these all together, and then we're going to um, hopefully bring them uh, to, back into 1 Peter. Uh, let's pick up in chapter 20. I'm going to jump forward. Again, a lot of moral issues in chapter 20 regarding relationship uh, between uh, men and women. And uh, we jump down to verse 22. It says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God. There's that phrase again. Who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean and unclean. We already studied that in verse in chapter 11. Between clean and unclean and clean birds. And you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or has a familiar spirit shall surely be put to death. They shall stone him with stones. Their blood shall be upon themselves, essentially. Look at this concept of holiness. This is the summary verse. And I think it gives us the greatest clarity of what all of this, be holy as I am holy, I am the Lord your God, what is entailed in it. We are holy to the Lord. That is, we are separated and are no longer claiming ownership of, our, of our, ourselves. Holiness is about recognize I belong to God. He's holy. He is distinct from us. He is the only God. He is the living God. He is alone like himself. We bear some of his image, uh, and that is shared with us in Scripture, and that's a marvel, but we are to be separated from our old life. We should be separated from our old societies. We should be separated from our old lifestyles. We should be separate to the Lord, holy to the Lord. I have separated you out. I have consecrated you. See all these words being used here that you are holy to me. I am holy and I have separated you out from the peoples. You should be mine. What does it mean to be holy? It means I am set apart for God. Does that require righteousness? Certainly. And I pursue righteousness. But the idea that I have to be perfectly righteous to please God is not tied up in this phrase of be holy as I am holy. It says just as God is the only God and he is distinct from all other ones and things that are called gods, he alone is God, we separate ourselves from all other men and say we are the followers of God he, and that is what defines us. 
I, I break and burn every bridge behind me that was who I was before. It's gone. I've separated myself from it. And separatist lifestyle is, is a historic Baptist doctrine that many have, have abandoned and dissolved. And because we use it ecclesiastically, when that's not really what its purpose was. Its purpose wasn't to be ecclesiastically separate. And so we've used that. That means that you separate from other churches who teach wrong doctrine. And certainly that's uh, necessary. I don't want to be joint ministry with somebody who's teaching error. I don't want that. And so we do a doctrinal examination of those men that we engage in ministry with, no matter what country they are at, the men that come and get in this pulpit, I try to, I try to uh, put them through some filters. Uh, sometimes they get through, because I'm, I'm, and uh, if they're recommended, and then I find out, oh, oh, no, that was probably a mistake. Um, and so it's a rare thing you'll see someone else fill this pulpit. Um, not because there aren't any, it's just difficult to find them and to do the work of processing. So there is a need for ecclesiastical separation, but that's really not what this is about. This is about personally being separated unto God. That I am going to distinctly remove myself, and even if it means that I have to strain and and I'm not going to choose to break these relationships, but they will choose to, to break them because I'm going to separate myself from old friends and even family members because I am not mine anymore. I am my Lord's. I am your Lord. Do you see how it's repeated over and over again? This is what it means to be holy as he is holy. And thus, as he is separate, we separate ourselves. That there is a, a, we talk about the transcendency of our Lord, that he is high above us, he is transcendent. We can never become like him. Mormons are wrong, okay? You're not going to become a god. Uh, and uh, that's complete error and, and heresy. He is transcendent one. He is far above us. He is distinct. He is like no other. He is a one of a kind. And we are called to be distinct from the world. Being holy is not being perfect or being sinless. Being holy is being separate. And so I should be identifiable. <laughs> Think of holiness uh, as a marker. A marker in your life that everyone around you can identify. Now that's going to be different in different environments. In certain environments, it might just be that you work hard, whether you're being supervised or not. That could be a marker. And when someone comments on that, your responsibility is to give God the glory. Because you're not working for compliments, are you? And you're not really working to make money, are you? Why are we working? To glorify God. 
And so when someone comments on my work, I want to give him the glory. I'm, I'm not doing this just because I want to make my boss money or I want to keep this position or I want to get ahead in this career path. I work hard because I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I have this command. I want to glorify him. And that could be the marker in that environment. We have these markers, and we have some examples laid out for us here in Leviticus that here is a marker that this man's going to come in and he's, and he's going to eat differently than you. He's going to come in, and now when other children are being rebellious, these children are being submissive. That when they dishonor their parents, these children honor their parents. It, that could be a great marker. And I can't tell you how many times people have walked up to me, perfect strangers, and said, commented on my children. Now, not when they were preschoolers, because pretty much I had to take them to the woodshed every time we went anywhere. Um, and the woodshed happened to be in the back of my van. So, uh, <laughs> when you're traveling, you have to do those things. Uh, but later... I would say later when my children started making decisions about who they wanted to be. And when they started to decide to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it was evident. And people would call and say, your kids, your kids. They became a marker. That's why in the list of the qualifications for bishop and deacons that he rules his family well. That his children are, are submissive. It's a marker telling the world that you do not belong to the world because the world doesn't honor parents. They disregard and they dismiss them. You don't believe me, I would challenge you to go through the, I don't really want you to spend much time, to go through all the popular presentations of family in Hollywood on your TV and see what value um, fathers have. Almost none. Because they dishonor it. Parents, almost none. They dishonor that role. Be different. Reverence your father and mother. That can be a great bet. It is, it is visible. Being holy is a visible evidence that you belong to God. And that changes my environment. Your speech is audible evidence that you belong to God. And so I don't want vile things to come out. I don't want destructive things to come out. I, I, want it to be, I want it to be honoring to God. I want my speech to be evidence that I am not of this world, but I am of a different world. I am distinct. I am separate. I want my music, I want my social media, I want my, my, my apparel to communicate something different. And I, we just came back from Ohio for my father-in-law's funeral last week. And, uh, and uh, Joyce's brother took us down to Amish country. They get eggs from a gal down there. And we were trying to get some, some heritage seeds and things like that from my garden. And they have a big Amish uh, food auction place down there. It's out of season right now. Um, but to go down into Amish country. And... 
I'm not going to espouse all the Amish theology that is out there, but I think in this area of what it means to be holy as I'm holy, they probably got it more right than any of us. You know an Amish person when you see him, bam! There is no question. You know it. From the vehicle they're riding in, <laughs> you know, they got the little horse and buggy still, to the farms are immaculate and still horse-drawn implements. Uh, from their dress, their apparel, their, 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 their whole lifestyle communicates to you who they are. It defines them. And for too long, we have tried to fit in. And that is the profane life. It is profane. It is just not demonstrating that I am holiness to the Lord. Now, I'm going to take you to one more passage in Leviticus to really drive this home. All right? And this isn't for all the people of Israel. This is only for the priests in chapter 22. I'm sorry, chapter 21. We can go to 22 as well. We can go uh, through this whole thing. And so in chapter 22, uh, 21, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, None shall defile himself for the dead among his people except for his relatives. He goes through all these things. And uh, notice um, verse 5, they shall not make any bald places on their heads. I had to include that. Nor they shall they shave the edges of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. Notice, they shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. So all of Israel has been instructed in the previous chapters to be holy, that is separate from the nations. Now, the priests are called out to be holy, that is separate from the holy people. They are really the holy of holies. You be separate from them. You have even more rules, if you will. You have more expectation on you so that you can show that I am not just an Israelite. I am a priest of Israel. And so I have a higher standard for me. And that includes that I can't shave a little spot on my head. Um, I'm not going to trim the beard here and make cuttings on me. I'm not going to look like the priests of the Canaanites. Those are all things the Canaanite priests of Molech and, and uh, some of the other gods uh, would all disfigure themselves. And Baal, remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, what were the priests of Baal doing there? Cutting themselves to get Baal to burn up their sacrifice. Remember that? That's how they did it. That's how they distinguished themselves as priests of Baal. And so now we have, don't you do that. You be different. You look different. You're going to be distinct from all the people as priests. You are going to be holy because you're doing the offerings of God on the fire of God. So your holiness, you're going to be set apart at another level. And it should be demonstrable that you should be able to walk through the streets and they go, that's a priest. Just by looking at him. Do you notice this is all physical appearance? That's a priest. You can't even go to funerals. 
except your own closest family members. And if you're a high priest, you can't even go to those funerals. No funerals for the high priest. Zero. Because he's dedicated 100% to the Lord. He is holy. He is the holiest of the holier of the holy. This is what holiness means. It's about being distinct. It is not about being perfect. Don't go out of here and say, I'm going to be holy like those. I have to walk this perfect little thing and I have all these rules and do's and notes. No, you need to go out, look around and say, I want to be God's. And I want to show the world that I am not theirs anymore. I fought, <laughs> Satan is not my father. That the one and only true living God is my father. And I want it evident to everyone by how I live, how I speak, what I do, that I am the Lord's. And we can go through all of chapter 21 and into 22, and you'll keep seeing all these things, all the requirements of the high priests, of the priests of Israel, and you'll see it over and over and over again. Uh, let's jump to chapter 22. It says, Speak to Aaron, verse 2, and his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, that they do not profane my name by what they dedicate to me. I am the Lord. And he goes through all of these things and talks about how they are to maintain their holiness and consecrate themselves. I think I skipped chapter 21, verse 8. Therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. So he couldn't marry, he could only marry a virgin woman. He couldn't marry uh, a divorced woman, is it wrong? Or not divorced. He couldn't marry a widow. He, he, he couldn't marry uh, a divorce. He is listed there as well. Um, but he had to be, she had to be a virgin because he's different. Holiness is about being different. Even as God is different from everything else, he is the creator, everything else is the creation, we are called to be Different. And that is what this entire sector is about. When we take this back into 1 Peter, let's go back to 1 Peter now. Now we come into this, having a better idea of holiness and getting rid of the idea of being sinless, of being, of being perfect, and those kinds of concepts that just are completely unattainable. Um, and... There are some faiths out there, the Nazarenes have a perfectionist teaching that at some point you should be so mature in your Christian life that you never sin. Okay, and, and that's there in their doctrine. Uh, I don't know if it's still there. It was there when I was in college when I attended a Nazarene church for a short time. And um, that they could attain that. But that is not what Peter's saying here. He comes to this passage and says, listen, this is who you used to be. This is who you should be today if you are the Lord's. If you are his children, if he is your God, your conduct should be different. You should be able to look in your life and say, here's that break. Here's where I, these things I used to be are gone. And now these things are who I am. They define me. I am no longer these things, including so-and-so's um, daughter or son um, or father. Uh, those things aren't defining me. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That is who I am. That is what it means to be holy. That this speech patterns of my life, they were from my ignorance time. 
Now I have the truth of God's word in me. And I am putting my, my mind upon them. And now here's what my speech is like. That here is what this conduct is, was back when I was in the world. And I reveled in the things of the world. I reveled in drunkenness. I, and, and the Bible has many lists of these things. Here's what the things, that you were immoral, that's who you were. That you were these things, you were, you were all, and there's huge lists. That's who you once were. But now you are holy. That is now you are not your own. You are God's children. And so we have the idea of sanctification to be made holy. You are sanctified. You are consecrated. Uh, you are set apart. You are separated. All of those things are tied into this concept of holiness. That there is a difference. That I can look at my life and say, this is when God became my God. My God. Why? Because of one word, change. I changed. I stopped pursuing all this stuff, and now I'm pursuing God. Now I'm pursuing the knowledge of God. Now I'm pursuing obedience to God. Now I'm pursuing this. What is the pursuit of your life? When that changed in your life is when you became a believer. I don't I can't tell you if it was tied to a prayer or not in your life, or if it was tied to a religious activity. But it is that day when I said, I am not going to live for me. I'm not going to live under my ignorance. I'm not going to live according to my, my family traditions. I'm not going to live uh, according to my nation's society. I'm not going to live like the world anymore. I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Am I going to do it perfectly? No, but that's my pursuit. That's holiness. To be something, not to do. I am now God's child. And I reverence him, and as a reverent child, I will be obedient to him. And so certainly righteousness is there. Certainly the concepts are there, but not the, the idea that I have to be perfect because God is perfect. You can never be that. God simply says, I am alone. I am separate. I am, I am transcendent. You be separate. Now, does that mean that I don't ever talk to the world? That I don't ever engage the world? Oh, no. Because then I couldn't reach the world for Christ. But I don't talk to them in their milieu. I don't have to dress like them, look like them, talk like them, and, 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 and conform to anything like them to reach them. Because as soon as you walk into a pig's pen, let me tell you what happens to you. Okay, I have pigs. And right now their pen is really bad. And I put on rubber boots. And I, but boy, I go in there and as soon as I get home, I just want to wash. Because as soon as you get into a pig's pen, guess what? You get dirty. If I want to stay presentable, I stay outside the pen. I feed them from outside the pen, and I deal with some things outside the pen. I do try to deal with as much as I can from outside the pen. Even if it's time for butchering, I try to throw a rope in there and grab them and pull them. I don't want to get in the pen. 
Oh, that Christians would recognize that this world is a pigsty to God. Why do you want to wallow in it? We're not just stepping in there and tiptoeing around with rubber boots. We go in there and plop down right to be on their level. I want to be on their level to reach them. And I'm like, no, all you've done is sunken in the mire of their filth. And you are profane to God. You're not honoring God. You're not serving God. You are profaning him. Because the world looks at that and says, you are no different than us. Look, you look the same, you act the same, you say the same, you wear the same, you listen to the same. You're the same. And it doesn't take very long sitting in a pigsty to look like a pig. They love to roll in the mud. Pretty soon you're all in it's like, oh, who's the pig and who's not? Oh, that we would be holy to recognize that God has delivered us from the pigsty. And that we want to invite others to come out of it too. And we don't do that by getting in there and pushing them. We get that by standing out of there and inviting them to this wonderful, beautiful, clean, refreshing position of being the children of God. Don't go out there and be, try to be a Canaanite to reach a Canaanite. You've been studying Joshua. You're coming up to Jericho pretty soon in Sunday school. And you don't go in there to be one of them. No. You get, but can some of the Canaanites become Israelites? Rahab did. She wasn't, she recognized Hebrew spies when she saw them. <laughs> You're Hebrews. We could tell. You're from that big army out there that we're all afraid of. I want to help you. Can you help me? Can you deliver me from God's judgment and wrath? Not because they look like her, sound like her, but because they weren't like her. Because she knew they were different. They were separate. So can Canaanites be reached? Yes, Israel uh, could reach Canaanites. And in fact, when one group came and, and one, they re had to receive the Gibeonites. It was by trickery, but they were afraid and they surrendered. And, and throughout Israel's history, we see many people coming out of Canaanite, but not because Israel became like them. Every time Israel became like the Canaanites, you know what happened? They, that is, Israel was judged. They profaned this statement, I am your Lord. They profaned it every time they went to become like a Canaanite. Don't profane the holiness of God. If he is your Lord, be different. Do weird things. We should be absolutely weird to the world. They should look and say, you guys are weird. Your family life should be weird. Your conversation should be weird. Your work ethic should be weird. Your relationship with your spouse should be weird. Um, what you do every day, it, it, your diet, even, even how you eat together should be weird. You should be distinct. Your apparel should be strange to them. But we want to be fashionable because we want to fit in. You're fitting in with that which offends God. 
You can't serve both, the Bible tells us. So this instruction, be holy as I am holy, is so precious, and yet I've seen so many Christians say, no one can do that, throw their hands up, I can't be perfect. But it doesn't mean that. It means stop being like what you were when Satan was your father, and you did whatever was right in your own eyes, and you followed your own lusts in ignorance. Oh, don't be that. And don't be like those who are like that. Don't be counted among the Canaanites. You are profaning God. Now you've been delivered. You've been saved. You've been redeemed. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been made clean. You've been separated. You've been, you have the name of God upon you. You have the spirit within you. Oh, that you would now say, I will not take that spirit back into that muck and mire. I will be distinct. And that is not just okay. It is absolutely your defining point of your Christian experience. I would tell you that is when you became a Christian. Not when you prayed a sinner's prayer, not when you got baptized, when you said, I am the Lord's and I want everyone to know it and I don't care how different I am than everyone else, I don't care how much they make fun of me, I will serve the Lord. I will not go back to what I was. This is the defining moment in your Christian experience, far more than any others, is when you choose to say, that was my old life, this is my new life. That was my old master, this is my new master. That was my old company, this is my new company. That's my old family, this is my new family. That's my old gods, this is my new God the true and living God. That is what it means to be holy. So do not conform yourself to your old lusts when you were ignorant. But as he who called you is holy, separate, distinct, you also be holy in all conduct. Because it is in fact written, be holy for I am holy. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. And Lord, during this season, it's just so easy to conform. And yet, we know that by conforming to this world and conforming to their concepts of who you are and their lifestyles, that we profane you. We profane the claim that we make that you are God that we are your children. Lord, we pray for you to forgive us for the many times that we have profaned your name, not just in our speech, but in our, how we live our lives. Lord, we pray for those that perhaps are here who have not had that change of their pursuit of their life. That you would convict them. That you would convince them. That we might choose today who we'll serve. Lord, help those of us who claim your name to 
serve you faithfully. No matter the cost in relationships, no matter the cost in goods, no matter the cost in blood, it will not profane your name anymore. Lord, we need your help to accomplish this. We know that. And we know that you have provided. Lord, help us to be different and have the boldness and courage to be holy. You are so much above us, so different from us. Lord, help us to recognize the need to be so different from those around us. That we might be a model that they seek after rather than us trying to conform ourselves to them. Lord, we thank you for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that we might have the renewing of our minds. That we might be fully assured of that hope of your coming. That we might dig into your word and see how we can put more badges of identification on us that we are children of God. Not for our own glory, but for yours. Not for our own interests, but for that of your kingdom. That men might truly come to us and ask us, why are you so different? That we might point them to the Savior who can cleanse any who come. Lord, help us to have that testimony that we are holy as you are holy. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.